My name is Helen Norton, Counsel of Record for Amici National Women's Law Center and several dozen other women's civil rights organizations in support of Petitioner. Petitioner Eric Thompson worked at Respondent North American Stainless Steel's manufacturing plant, where he met Miriam Regalado, who was also an engineer there. Ms. Regalado and Mr. Thompson began dating and later became engaged to be married, and the relationship was common knowledge at the plant. In September 2002, Ms. Regalado filed a charge of discrimination with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, alleging that the respondent had discriminated against her on the basis of her gender. The EEOC notified the respondent of this charge in February 2003. Barely three weeks later, the respondent fired the petitioner, Eric Thompson. Mr. Thompson had received a performance-based pay raise just three months previously. Mr. Thompson then filed a complaint alleging that the respondent had fired him in retaliation for his fiancée's EEOC charge in violation of Section 704A of Title VII, which forbids an employer to discriminate against any of its employees because the employee has made a charge of discrimination. Mr. Thompson further asserted that he was entitled to bring in a retaliation claim, even though he himself had not engaged in protected activity prior to his firing, because he suffered tangible employment injury as a result of the respondent's alleged retaliation against his fiancée, and he was thus a person aggrieved within the meaning of Title VII, Section 706F1, and thus entitled to bring suit himself. The respondent moved for summary judgment, contending that as a matter of law, employer reprisals against a third party in retaliation for the protected activity of another would not support a Title VII retaliation claim. The district court agreed, granting the motion and dismissing the petitioner's complaint. The non-bank Sixth Circuit affirmed the district court's order, ruling that Title VII's anti-retaliation protections provide a cause of action only for those workers who have themselves engaged in protected activity. Although discrimination in the workplace has been unlawful since Title VII's enactment in 1964, it unfortunately remains prevalent, and workers who report potentially unlawful behavior, file discrimination charges, or engage in other activity protected by Title VII remain vulnerable to retaliation by employers who seek to punish and deter them from such activity. Amiki urged the Supreme Court to reverse the Sixth Circuit to ensure that Title VII's anti-retaliation provisions provide meaningful protection for workers who challenge possible job discrimination. Indeed, workers who engage in protected activity today reasonably fear retaliation against their loved ones. The case law reveals a wide variety of allegations of such employer reprisals against the family members or friends of workers who engaged in protected activity. The number and breadth of these allegations suggest that employers not infrequently use such measures as a tremendously effective form of retaliation that will go unremedied unless the Supreme Court rejects the decision below. Because the decision below does not permit a Title VII challenge by a worker punished on the job in retaliation for the protected activity of his or her loved one, the Sixth Circuit's rule chills protected activity because workers considering such activity cannot be confident that their friends and family will be protected from reprisal. Without employees who are willing to report unlawful conduct and file discrimination charges, Title VII's goal of eliminating workplace bias cannot be achieved. Moreover, because the Sixth Circuit's rule bars retaliation claims by the third-party victims who are most directly injured, here the petitioner, Mr. Thompson, who lost his job, the Sixth Circuit rules bars claims by those who have the greatest incentive to pursue such claims in a timely manner and who are best positioned to claim and prove remedial relief. 
Such victims should not remain dependent on another party's decision to pursue a claim. For example, the worker who actually engaged in the protected activity may sometimes be hesitant to file suit on a third-party victim's behalf, especially if he or she has been deterred from further action by the employer's reprisal or if the relationship with the reprisal victim has since changed. Because third-party victims like Mr. Thompson have themselves suffered tangible employment injury, they should be entitled to bring suit themselves as persons aggrieved within the meaning of Title VII, Section 706F1. In rejecting all claims by the actual third-party victim of retaliation, the Sixth Circuit's rule significantly undercuts Title VII's anti-retaliation protections. As the Supreme Court has recognized in past cases, Title VII depends for its enforcement upon the cooperation of employees who are willing to file complaints and act as witnesses. Firing or otherwise punishing a worker's friends or family in retaliation for her protected activity is a particularly effective means of deterring such activity. Because the Sixth Circuit's decision adds to the already considerable risks of reporting discriminatory behavior in the workplace, the Supreme Court should reverse. 